All right, I'm going to say a food. You tell me a beer to go with it. Ready? Okay. Pop yeah. quiz. Okay. Grilled scallops. Grilled scallops. Oh, I think a really nice, like, light Hefeweizen would be very nice with that because scallops are so sweet, so you mm-hmm. get that little orange kind of playing off it, that little sweetness, but not too overwhelming. You don't want anything too intense with something as delicate as a scallop. Caesar salad. Caesar salad. Okay, so that's going to be, like, a lot of salt and cheese going on. Um, I think, like, a Czech amber lager would be really nice with that. Mm. That has a little bit of that, like, toastiness of dark malt, so kind of playing off your crouton. It also has a little butteriness that's really signature to Czech beers, so that could go really nicely together and also add kind of a new element, right? You're getting that, like, toasty liquid bread kind of going on. Kimchi. Kimchi. That's a good one. So kimchi is going to be really refreshing, spicy. Um, I could see that going well with a Schwartz beer, kind of to balance it out. Schwartz beer is going to be bitter but not too bitter it's a dark beer so it kind of will bring like an element of a little bit of like bitterness and roast to kind of cut through some of that like really sharp acid hopefully not clashing too much i'd kind of have to try that together i don't know if i've done a lot of kimchi pairing maybe saison too saisons are kind of funky so like bring the funk to the funk This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies. It is for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, you know what we do. We obsess about food to learn more about people. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Um, If you're in the New York area like me, your holiday season was probably not what you originally planned. But wherever you are and whatever happened, I hope that you stayed safe and healthy and managed to spend some time with friends and or family and eat some delicious food. All right, let's get into this show. Mandy Neglich is a beer writer and educator. Today, we're going to share the story of her attempt to become a master Cicerone. That's the highest certification a beer expert can get. It's like a master sommelier, but for beer. There are only 19 master Cicerones in the world. When I first met Mandy, we were both working at WNYC, the New York Public Radio Station. She was in marketing. I was hosting this podcast there. I did an episode with her back in 2016 because by night she had this whole other life as a home brewer making beer in her small New York apartment. This is an old ice cream fridge that we hacked and it's now a four-tap kegerator. For Mandy, this was more than a hobby. She had just won a gold medal at the National Home Brewing Competition. She and her boyfriend Wes entered separately along with more than 3,000 other home brewers. And Mandy won. She was a rising star home brewer. But the beer world is very male. As she told me in that previous episode, even with her big award, guys still loved to question her credentials. I mean, I definitely got comments like someone made a joke and they're like, oh, it must have been your boyfriend that wrote the recipe, which is like, okay, you know, just one. Let me bask in this for a minute. (laughs) Um, But uh, there was comments like that. I mean, there's also just jokes like, oh, you're the hottest person to win this year. I was also the only female who won gold. And, I mean, we'd all been drinking the whole night of the award ceremony, right? They give you free beer at the award ceremony. You're saying there's a lot of drinking at the homebrewing championships? There's a lot of drinking. Okay. Did you feel like some of them resented you? I did have one weird moment after the award ceremony, after the after party, like when we were all just hanging out and talking about our awards, where they were asking me about my recipe, and it wasn't like, oh, you know, why did you do this? It was... Tell me what temperature you did this. Tell me what what ingredient. Why did you do that? Oh, you did this? It felt like a little, um, like they were trying to catch me off guard. like An interrogation. Point. Yeah, a little bit. They, wanted to, they um, wanted to see if you really knew your stuff. And that was after my boyfriend had gone home to the hotel, too. You know, it went from kind of being like, a, oh, we're all hanging out and doing our thing to like a little bit of an intense moment that I definitely didn't appreciate. Since that conversation in 2016, I've been following Mandy's beer career, and she has been busy. 
Last summer, we met up at Carmine Street Beers. It's a bar and bottle shop in New York City that sells more than 500 different beers. So, Mandy, I want to hang out. I want to talk. I want to catch up. Yeah. But while we're catching up, should we just start drinking now or should we wait to start drinking? I'm always ready to start drinking, especially like you said, I, I, I purposely, you know, I got up early, got everything done. So I was like at two o'clock, who knows how much I'll be drinking after that. So <laughs> why don't you order us some beers, whatever you're in the mood for. What do you what do you guys have on that's like refreshing lights? Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, let's definitely do that. What is it? What do we just Mandy order? orders us so a Pilsner cold, called Mary cold. from Hill Farmstead in Vermont. Cool. All right. Cheers. First taste. It's nice and cold. Oh, yeah. Am I supposed to smell it first? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's like a natural, I can't even. Yeah. Nice and The big development in Mandy's career since we last met up is that, as I said, she's trying to become the 20th Master Cicerone in the world. To pass, Mandy has to not only know a ton about beer tasting and pairing, she also has to know about the science and mechanics of beer brewing and serving, running tap lines, all that machinery involved. The Cicerone program was started in 2007 by a craft brewer named Ray Daniels. And it has four levels. The first is certified beer server. Mandy got that one years ago. That's just an online test. And I actually did it as a bet with a couple guys who were like, I think I know more about beer than you. And I was like, I have an easy way to test this. Let's take this online test. It was like, I think it's like 50 bucks or something. You take it right then and like who got the best score. And of course it was me who came out on top. As Mandy became better known in homebrewing circles, folks from the Cicerones encouraged her to go for the next level certified Cicerone. Um, and I went ahead and took that in 2016 and passed it on my first try, which was... Those first two certifications are pretty common in the beer industry. Certified. Companies might want their brewers, distributors, or salespeople to get certified. Right. Restaurants may have their bartenders get certified Cicerone. But then comes advanced Cicerone. That test involves coming up with beer pairings for different foods, like you heard Mandy doing at the start of the show. You also need to identify styles and learn about keeping um, and serving beer. There are even essay questions, exactly. things like... So what is the history of a Weizenbach? And give me four commercial examples of a Weizenbach from three different countries. Something like that. So you have to kind of write about where the style come from, compare the different commercial examples, and know off the top of your head, like, all these different examples. When Mandy took that test, there were only about 100 advanced Cicerones in the world. She passed on the first try. She's basically like the Michael Jordan of beer tests. Felt freaking great. I was so excited. <laughs> I was um, I was totally ready to be like, you know, I learned so much taking it. Like, I'm ready to do it again or like retackle the tasting. Um, so I was really excited because I actually also did really well on it. Um, so that was yeah, really exciting. That was 2019. As Mandy worked her way up through the Cicerones, she decided to quit her day job in marketing to focus on being a beer writer and educator. She started writing articles for websites and magazines, leading tastings and teaching classes. But she wasn't done taking tests. She still wanted to get to the mountaintop. Master Cicerone. When you start getting into advanced Cicerone and Master Cicerone, it becomes kind of more, I describe it as more kind of like vision quest kind of stuff. This is Neil Witte. He's a Master Cicerone, and he's also the Associate Director of Exams for the Cicerone Certification Program. He says for him, getting to the highest level of the program didn't have much of a practical purpose. I wasn't going for Master Cicerone because it's like, boy, as soon as I get this, I'm going to put Master Cicerone on my resume and, you know, I'm going to get XYZ job. It just, it doesn't work like that. You know, there isn't a job description out there that says must be Master Cicerone. 
While that might be true, Mandy felt like for her career, becoming a master Cicerone would have very tangible benefits. It's definitely something that I feel like a lot of women go up against is like needing these certifications to prove that we're worthy. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, but it is important to me. I think it's a nice thing to say, hi, I want to host your event and I am an expert and I'm one of only 20 in the world. Or hi, you know, I want to host your TV show or do or really speak on behalf of beer. And that proves that I know my way around any question. Like I'm not going to get blindsided. Um, even if it's walking into a cooler at a professional brewery and fixing their kegs, I will definitely know how to do that once I pass this test. So, <laughs> <laughs> Out of the 19 master Cicerones in the world, only three are women. I asked Neil how they'd benefit from having more women at that highest level. I think, you know, the beer business in general has not done itself many favors over the years in drawing in people other than white men. You know, it's it's well documented that uh, that the beer business has a diversity issue. And insofar as we can help to make the industry more diverse, I think we're just helping the beer business in general. I think it helps everybody to bring everybody into this umbrella because beer is for everybody. Master Cicerone test is two full days, and it's only given once a year, in person, in Chicago. Most of the people who take it work for a beer company, and they have the support of their company. Some of them are able to take time off to prep for the test. The company might even pay for the exam fees, prep classes, and materials. It costs $1,000 to take the test the first time, 800 for each subsequent try. And most people take it multiple times before passing. As we said, Mandy's a freelance beer writer and educator. She doesn't have that support. After acing all the other tests, she studied for six months before taking the Master Cicerone exam in October 2019. Definitely a shock on the Master Cicerone exam. <laughs> what happened? So what I was talking about with advance, right, you're in the room with a proctor, but now instead of sitting across the table and him handing you a beer and saying, taste this, you walk into a room at an active brewery and they say, this draft line is messed up, like troubleshoot it and go fix it. Um, I actually took a keg like care course because I knew this was going to happen. But still, I still like kind of walked in and start seeing torn gaskets and like looking at screwdrivers and being like, whoa. I'm like, I kind of knew on the first day I was out of my depth. I was just not ready. For the first time in her life, Mandy failed a beer test. She got a 73 out of 100. Passing is 85. She planned to take the exam again the following year, but it was canceled because of COVID. As she and I sit at the bar, it's August 2021. Mandy's going to take the Master Cicerone exam again in a few months, two years after her first attempt. She spent at least $10,000 of her own money prepping for and taking this test. She's been able to parlay her food and beer writing into a deal for a book about flavor. And she's continued doing freelance marketing work on the side to help pay the bills. Mandy has a few reasons for really wanting to pass this test. For starters, there are 19 Master Cicerones and she really wants to be in the first 20. But more than that, I think having a master Cicerone who's a little outside the industry, who can speak to consumers a little more directly and maybe speaking their language a little bit more is a really important move, not just for Cicerone, but for the beer industry. Like having, especially a woman, i got to say, that's kind of more yeah. focused on let's talk to people who are just getting into a hobby or just getting into the industry um, who feel uncomfortable in beer spaces right now. That's something that's really driving me. It's still that like original mission that I think this is a big step in the right direction of. So like with so many things, it, it mm -hmm. sounds like there's some element of sort of like, you got to be in the in crowd to get in. Right. Which is definitely a tough place for me coming from, you know, I, I'm not coming from 
a Miller Coors or Sam Adams or any of those. Um, so I do have a little bit of like worry about that, but I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you're so good, they can't say you're bad. So I'm just getting ready to be so good. So Mandy, I can't really help you with the beard, the tap lines, the draft lines, (laughs) but I could help you with the tasting. Yes. You ready to do a little study session right here? Yeah. Carmine Street Beers, where we are right now, has over 500 beers to choose from. So it's a perfect place for Mandy to prep for the Master Cicerone exam. And I am happy to be her study buddy. This is just what friends do for friends. The first skill Mandy wants to practice, tasting a beer and naming the specific style. So like an IPA or a Hefeweizen or a Stout. There are more than 100 styles in all. I sneak off to the other side of the bar to confer with the bartenders. Shane and Steve, right? Nice to meet you. Yep, good to meet you. We're, we're helping Mandy study for the Master Cicerone test. All right, so we got to pick three to five styles of beer to try to stump Mandy. See if she- Shane disappears for a few minutes and comes back with four bottles. Well, what do we got here, Shane? All right, so uh, first up, we have the Fabulant from Schillings. It's a Heller Weizenbach, so it's got a little bit of the banana clove thing. That one's a kind of an off-kilter style. I'd be kind of curious to see if she can pick that up pretty immediately. Uh, next, I have Schlenkler's uh, Smoked Marzen. It's a pretty classic, very well-known kind of German one. Uh, next up, we have a classic triple American IPA from Sierra Nevada, the Hoptimum. And then to wrap it up, we have uh, another classic beer, the La Trappe uh, Quad, which is a very kind of heavy Belgian dark beer. Shane cracks open the beers and pours some of each into glasses. He pours the same flight for me so I can taste along with Mandy. He also writes me a little cheat sheet and brings the four glasses over to our table. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, Mandy. Okay. This is a study session. We're trying to replicate okay. test conditions. What would be the first thing I would do? Just- um, so the first thing I'm going to do for each one really quick is just go through the whole flight and give them each like a short sniff and then like a little bit of a longer sniff. So like, and then you kind of take it away to just kind of let your brain think about what it smelled and then a little bit longer. I'm going to let it warm up a little bit. I'm going to, do you care if I pour it into a different glass? No, go for it. (laughs) Mandy explains that glasses can have off flavors from dish detergent, or they could be hot after they come out of the dishwasher. In the exam, she'll be tasting from plastic cups. So in order to ensure true test conditions, she brought her own plastic cups. I mean, trick. I have to say it's a little bit hilarious to me that the Master Cicerones are tasting beer in plastic cups. I mean, what is this, a frat party? I mean... Frat boys had it right, I guess. Um, they're they're not going to contaminate their beer at all. But the important thing about these plastic cups is you can create a seal with the top of your hand and like swirl it. Oh, and I that's see. just gathering all the aroma in there. So you, so you you like sealed the top essentially. You pour yeah. the beer into the into the plastic cup. Now you you, you put your hand over the top and yeah, now you're swirling it around it to like get it all sudsy in there. Now she's now she's got her nose in there. She's a so I got like a hint of banana on that one. So I'm just gonna like make a banana note. Then you kind of go to the next one. Now on to number two. Oh, that one's like huge roasty. It's funny because you can kind of tell the head has a little bit of creaminess to it. It's almost like campfire to me. Like definitely huge roast. It's definitely going to be in some kind of stout category. Okay, we're moving to number three. This is going to be some kind of American. It's got like that um, really hop forward. You don't get anything from yeast on it. Um, It's not quite tropical hops, though. They're a little like florally... Maybe a little forest floor going on, so I'm just gonna write American um, and move on. Number four. Whoa, that one's kind of crazy. 
I'm not sure if that one like wants to be a little Belgian. It's like big banana candy flavor to me. Um, and you can see when I'm swirling it, you get like all of this head. Now we're gonna go back and give each one a retro nasal sniff. I don't know if you're familiar with the retro nasal. I am familiar. That, yeah, a All retro right. nasal olfaction, which is like up the back of your throat. Yeah. So like you, you, you hold a little bit of it in your mouth and kind of oh, so she's holding her nose like she's about to jump in a pool. She took a sip of beer and she's swirling around her mouth. Interesting. And then you really blow out your nose. Oh, so you get the aroma up the back of your throat and then blow it out your nose. It's like a reverse sniff. Yeah, and the thing is, your brain doesn't really understand what's going on, so it actually puts the flavor that you're smelling in your mouth like you're tasting it. Um, so, like, you can actually feel your mouth kind of fill with flavor sometimes, like, especially on isoamyl acetate, which is that banana flavor. All right, I'm afraid I'm going to snarf this beard all over my microphone, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, so you hold your nose, take in a breath. Okay. Then you put it in your mouth, swirl it around your mouth so all the surfaces are covered. Then you're going to exhale out your nose, but keep your lips shut and kind of see if you feel like a flavor is okay. filling okay. your mouth. All right. Here I go. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you let go of your nose, it kind of like just fizzes up through your whole yeah. situation. Like when I'm teaching people that, I like a cinnamon tea is a really good way to do it because all of a sudden, even though you just swallowed it, there's no tea left in your mouth. When you let go of your nose, it's like all of a sudden there's cinnamon filling your mouth, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go down the line on that. Mandy retro-nasally sniffs all four of her beers. Then she takes some sips, she looks at the beers closely, and she's ready to make her guesses. She starts with the one that she thinks she can identify best, which is beer number two. Number two, I'm going with, so it's actually quite, like you can see those ruby highlights coming through. Most stouts will be almost black. So I usually don't let appearance affect me until like right at the end. Um, that roast is so overwhelming though, but I can't imagine, oh no, it's a smoked beer. It's a Roush beer. Oh, yeah. it's like it just clicked. Well, cause I was like, what is going on with this color? That's like, it's totally not. And it's right. It's not the like flavor of roasted barley. It's the flavor of actual smoke. So what's Roush beer? What does that mean? So it's a, it's they smoke some of the malts way back in the day when they couldn't help but smoke malt when they were making beer. Basically all malt was smoky because if you were going to get any dark color, like they couldn't get rid of the smoke. So it's kind of a bit of an ode to that. I mean, there's still beers that are made that way in Bomberg in Germany. Um, but it's some kind of Rausch beer, I would say now. It's missing that bacony thing to me now. Um, but I would say it's something with smoked malt in it. It's not roasted barley. <laughs> you are correct. It is a okay. Rausch beer. Okay. It is the Schenkerla Rausch beer Marzen. There you go. All right. So that's like the classic example of Rausch beer. I got to say, it's something that I don't practice on. So I'm always like, oh, if I smell a Rausch beer, I'll know. Or actually, I think it's Rauch beer, actually. Okay, maybe. Um, it's not beer. something I say out loud right. very often. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I've always kind of thought like, oh, the minute I smell that, I'll know and move on. But there you go. Well, I'm glad we had a refresher here. There you go. Now when I get on the test, I'll be like, thank you, Sporkful. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy moves on to beer number three. I want to be like this American one, right? Like I kind of picked it up and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's American. I tasted it. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's American. And now I'm kind of like, is it American pale ale? Is it? I don't think it's dark enough to be an amber ale. I think it's too much to be a blonde. Um, pale ale and IPA kind of overlap. Okay, so I'm gonna go with number three, I think is an American pale ale. Okay. That is the Sierra Nevada Hoptimum. So Sierra Nevada is, is a pale ale. Is that an IPA or is it a pale ale? It's a triple IPA. Wow. A triple IPA. So does that, does that mean you were correct or not correct? I would say not correct because it's gonna have higher alcohol. So now we're down to the two. Yeah, number one and number four. Um, that I wrote medium bitterness, some drying on this one. 
I'm starting to feel like that one's a little bit German, but I don't know why. But I'm just trying to like trust my brain. The first one I'm gonna say is some kind of style of Pilsner. Yeah, I feel like I get some roundness on it. It's Schilling Fabulant. Is that a Pilsner? So I threw a curveball. It's Heller Weisenbach. <laughs> oh, a Heller so Weisenbach. High. So it's like a Helles Bach, but yeah. with some wheat. Mm-hmm. It's also quite clear though, but okay, so there, that, that'll that's show a, that you. That sounds like a tough one though. I would say that's not like a totally a real style necessarily. So okay. a Helles Bach would be like the big brother of a Pilsner, basically. Okay. So it's a little bit higher alcohol. Like, would this be like 6% maybe? Yeah, I think we're on 6%. Yeah. I was so Mandy didn't quite nail that one. Like, she still has one more beer to call. It's definitely somewhere between Belgian and German style. It's like sweet. So now I'm kind of, mm. I also am writing down English barley wine, question mark. So this is what I was telling you that I don't want to have at the test. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it's got like a lot of this like interesting like candied character that I almost thought was like artificial fruit at first, which would make you think it's gonna be Belgian. It's so sweet. It's like right now I'm going through all the Belgian beers in my head, right? There's like Belgian double. I think it's a little too clear and a little too light to be like a Belgian double. Triple, I don't think it's quite bitter enough. It's also a little bit dark in color. Dark strong, obviously not. There's not enough alcohol there, I don't think. Mandy's holding it up to the light. Is there a time limit on this test? So it's normally <laughs> 15 minutes for seven of them. Okay. So I was going to say, how, what are we coming up on? All right, 10 all right. Minutes? Okay, so we, we, we need an answer here, Mandy. All right. I'm like freaking out now. Well, look, this is pressure, but we, you know, we need it. We I was going to say, we, the microphone is the throwing microphone me off. Is, that's it, what it is, people. That's, no, that, that, that does add pressure, I'm sure. But, you know, it's going to be pressure on the day of the test, too. So. All right. Fourth one, I'm going to say, how about Crystal Bison? That's Belgian? No, that's German. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. I can't think of a style that would be this clear. Let's just call it a Belgian double. Okay. It is a Belgian quad. Wow. La trappe so quadruple. Clear? But um, That's a zero because that's like a perfect example of the style. We'll trap quad. So when you look at this, right, I wrote high alcohol yeast character. Mm. So I should have narrowed it down to either being like Weizenbach, Doppelbach, quad, golden strong, and just stuck with that. Like English barley wine throwing out there, that's just me doubting myself. Um, I actually talked to a master sommelier. He had to take the tasting four times. And I was like, what finally like was the thing for you? And he's like, it's just not trying to put something in the glass that's not in the glass. I like that advice, though. Yeah. That's, there's probably keep... like a larger life lesson in that. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of glad you didn't get all the answers right. Me too. Because I think <laughs> that like that's how you learn. Definitely. So Mandy only got one of the four beer styles totally correct. Coming up, I give Mandy a different test where she has to identify off flavors in beer. Then later, she takes the Master Cicerone exam and gets her results. Stick around. Ooh, advertisements. Yummy. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, quick reminder, please make sure that you're connected to our podcast in your podcasting app. That way you'll never miss an episode. In Spotify or Stitcher, just go to our show page and click follow. In Apple Podcasts, you go to our show page and there's a little plus sign in the upper right. Hit that plus sign. Whatever it is in your app, just please do that thing. Go ahead. You can do it right now while you're listening. Thank you. Okay, back to the show. I'm with Mandy Neglich at Carmine Street Beers, and there's one more thing she wants to practice. Sometimes in the process of selecting ingredients for your beer, or brewing it, or running lines from kegs to taps, something goes wrong, and it makes the beer taste off. 
In the master Cicerone test, Mandy has to identify off flavors in beers and diagnose the issue that caused the bad taste. For example, like, so yeast makes a ton of flavors during fermentation, and there's something like an ester that could be like ethyl acetate that smells like nail polish. So if you smell a bunch of nail polish or nail polish remover, you're going to know that you fermented your beer too hot. If you if you have the sensory at a, as a brewer and you smell that, you're like, okay, next fermentation, we're going to tamp down the fermentation temperature. Mandy has brought a set of additives that she can add to a beer to give it one of the off flavors. They're like these little clear plastic pills, each with a different color powder inside. This looks like this is like Alice in Wonderland level right here. Mandy leaves the table. I get three identical cups of beer from Shane, the bartender. I keep one unadulterated as the control. Then I add a different powder to each of the other two. This is how it works in the actual test. They will tell Mandy which one is the control, and she can use that as a baseline. When she comes back to the table, she starts going through the same process. Swirling, sniffing. We did the short sniff. She tastes number one, the control. Then sniffs number two, which has been altered or spiked. Number two, before tasting it, I'm guessing it's for vinyl glycol. What makes you say that? It has that like clovey, like baking spice thing to it that I don't feel like I recognize in the control. <laughs> so yeah, I think on that, I think number two, I'm going to write 4DG. For vinyl glycol. Yes. The Mandy moves on to the second spiked beer. It almost is like it's flattened the whole flavor of what the base beer is, um, which is what a flaw will do. It's just determining what flaw that could be. Can't tell if it's like a little bit cheesy or a little bit eggy. Sulfur is super volatile. It's like the minute you pour it, you have to put your nose in there or else it'll be gone. Mandy has her entire nose inside the plastic <laughs> cup. And taking little short sniffs too. Don't want to dry out your mucus or else... Interesting. Short sniffs to prevent yeah. mucus drying. Yeah, if you lose your mucus, you're done. You can't taste anything. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go H2S on that. Hydrogen sulfide? You are correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you got both of them. Really? Yes. Okay, great. Four vinyl guayacol and H2S. Oh. You actually got them both. You called them before you even tasted them. Yes. Yeah, it's tasting just like a confirmation. Right. It's all about aroma. Do you want to smell these? I did drink out of both of them. Oh, okay, so. sure, sure. So this is the 4BG. Okay. Yeah, I would not get cloves or Christmas time from this. Right. You know, um, <laughs> it just I mean, it just smells like a different kind of beer. Yeah, that's, that's all. I, yeah. That's the best I can do. Like, there you it's go. like beer, but different from the other beer. <laughs> you said four vinyl guayacol would be like this Christmassy time flavor or whatever. But like, why is that bad? Like, why would you not want that in your beer? So if it is like a German wheat beer, you definitely want that. That's like signature to it. But anything else to so say you're trying to make an American pale ale, and you want like this big citrus hop flavor, you want very little yeast flavor, but you're getting this like weird clove, like random, it's a phenol, like a random yeast flavor. You, it would mess up all of your beautiful orange like character from the hops. You would just get this weird, like spicy, clovey flavor. Got it. So it's not necessarily bad if it's what you want, but if it's right. not the type of beer you're trying to make, then it would mean that you screwed up something. Right, exactly. So Mandy, <laughs> After this test session, yeah, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good, especially this off flavor because there's like a huge, we have a list of like 28 it could have been. So getting both of them, I feel good about that. What's your big takeaway from this study session? Um, I think the big takeaway is just go go with your gut. On both of those, you pretty much knew right off the bat. Right, and then you guessed yourself. And then yourself. you kept second guessing and wondering and yeah. tormenting. And so trust your nose, Yep. keep moving. There you go. And it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I still have a couple months, so this is this is making me feel good. Good. I'm glad. You're in <laughs> yeah. good shape. Will you call me after you take the test? Yeah, definitely. 
For the next three months, Mandy studies hard. Imagine a Rocky Balboa-style montage, but instead of punching slabs of meat, she's crushing empty beer cans on her forehead. In early November, she flies out to Chicago for the two-day exam. When the first day is complete, we connect by Zoom, Mandy in her Airbnb. I see some beer in the kitchen. Yeah, that's from this morning. <laughs> I just like <laughs> tasted it and ran out the door. <laughs> so just like first off reactions, like give me, how, how are you feeling besides being tired? I actually feel incredible. I feel like 180 compared to this time. Mandy last tells me she feels really great, exciting. much better than after day one last time. She thinks she's just more prepared this time around. You're still nervous that you don't know everything, but I really was, every question that I was asked, I felt like I had an immediate answer to. Did anything happen that, had you nervous that you didn't feel good about? The last tasting panel where we have to kind of like technically describe four random samples, I don't feel like I did great on. It's also the last thing of the day and I was like so tired. Um, so for the part where you had to identify beers that they were just going to put in front of you, like how did that part go? Yeah, I mean, so we don't know what they, they gave us and um, there's been times where I'm like, oh, is this grapefruit? Is this blood orange? Something like that. But I feel like I was like nailing that kind of stuff. Mandy tells me there are four others taking the test with her. It's three women, including Mandy, and two men. All the others work in the beer industry. After the exam, they all gathered outside and compared notes. I think we all are feeling it seems spot on. Like there was nothing that felt super like they were trying to trick us. This is like where everything's still feeling good. And hopefully it's like I come back out tomorrow and I feel the same. You know, it's like that moment where it's like I'm thinking things could all work out. But, you know, I also could totally blow it tomorrow. But we're not going to go down that path. <laughs> After day two, I give Mandy another call. Hello. Hey. I hear partying noises in the background. Is there a party happening? Well, light partying. We're just at the brewery across the street. So, so I mean, I'm dying to hear. What, what happened? How did it go? I mean, I think it went well. Not as well as yesterday. I was hoping for, like, a total repeat of yesterday, but... We're still looking good. I mean, I'm out drinking beer, not home crying. What specifically makes you feel less confident today? Um, there was just a few. So I feel like yesterday it was like through and through. Like they asked an essay question and I like already knew what I was going to write. And today it was like, I definitely spent some time. I actually took a long walk to the bathroom in the middle of my essay writing to just like try to jog my brain. It's like, I was like, I know I've read these things and I've studied these things. But like, it's like exactly what I want to write. is like not popping into my brain. I'm going to ask you to predict your score, Mandy. <laughs> okay. 85 is passing. What's your prediction? Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm either going to get an 86 or an 84. Mandy finishes the test November 4th. Industry experts and other master Cicerones spend the next few weeks grading the exams. Neil from the Cicerones tells us they use detailed rubrics and multiple graders look at every question to ensure consistency. Typically, the Cicerones reach out the first week of December, a month after the test, to schedule a call and give you your results. But that time comes and goes, and Mandy doesn't hear anything. Finally, on December 16th, six weeks after finishing the test, Mandy gets the call. As soon as it's over... Oh, wait, wait. She's coming. Mandy's connecting to the Zoom. Hello. Hello? Just tell me, what, what happened? Did you pass? 
I got an 83. Um, so no, uh, it's 85 to pass. So <sighs> <laughs> that's the update. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm really sorry. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> um, so it's still fresh. <laughs> Mandy says that of the other four who took the test, one passed. A guy who was trying for the third time, who works for AB InBev, the company that makes Budweiser, among many others. Mandy's quick to add that he's very deserving. They actually studied together. The others who took the test were trying for the first time, and none of them passed. And it's crazy because I know other people who have gotten 83s and they take it again and pass. And it's like, how? Yeah, but not doing it, so it's over. <laughs> you mean, you, you, mean you, you don't want to take the test again? No, I just can't. It's, it's so much time and so much money. And I just don't have a company paying for me. It's so it's like, I have to do more freelance work to be able to pay for this stuff, like more brand work and like things that aren't really moving my career the way I need it to be going. Like I'm writing this book now. And I like, I mean, and of course that's what the proctor on the phone said. He's like, what do you mean? You're not going to take it again. You're so close. And I'm like, I can't, it's like just so much knowledge keeping your head. And I always am thinking like, what else could I do with that brain space? Um, I would have rather gotten like a 75, honestly. Like, right, right. You know, um, yeah. It's crazy to say that I'm not going to be able to say that I'm a master's this round, but yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I'm not used to not passing things, so. <laughs> to Mandy, the result feels very arbitrary. She's especially upset that she got low marks on food and beer pairings, which is usually her strength. She's writing a book about flavor. Pairings seem so subjective. You know, if they give you an IPA and you say it's a stout, that's just wrong. But this is tough for her to accept. Mandy also thinks the scoring rubrics in the pairing section weren't clearly communicated. A lot of the things she was marked down for not including are things she knew. She just didn't know she was supposed to include them. Oh, yeah, it's really tough to know that it's not going to be me in the club, but, uh, you know. Well, I got to say, Mandy, I feel like this is a real loss for the Cicerones. Me too. I know. I had like all this feedback that I wanted to give them just like about the test. And like, I have a lot of ideas about how to make it a little easier on candidates and more like welcoming. So more people are taking the test. Like it would have been really cool for someone who doesn't work at like a big brewery to do it. Like someone like me, it's definitely a bummer. <laughs> I think if I would have been able to take it in 2020, I probably would have taken it again in 2021. But it's just like waiting two years and like thinking about waiting another year. It's like, it just feels like I'm like staying in the same phase of my life. And it's like, it's time to go do others. I can't just like be memorizing BJCP stats for years and years and years. Like, right. Well, Mandy, I'm really sorry. Look, it would have been really cool to call yourself a master Cicerone, but I don't think you need them. <laughs> yeah, me either. I don't either. I think you're going to write a great book and you're going to do your pairings and your events and you're going to be successful at it because you're really good at what you do. And, you know, you don't need some people to tell you that. Thank you. I, I agree. You know, it's nice to have a platform now where I really am teaching people about beer every day and people tell me how much they learn. So I don't need this title to keep doing it. For sure. You need to keep saying it until you believe it, right?
how would you like to take one of Mandy Neglich's beer workshops? Want to learn to taste beer like a pro or pair beer with food? Mandy does virtual classes on these subjects and more. Put a group together. This is the perfect wintertime pandemic activity for you and some friends. Get more info at beerswithmandy.com. You can also find her on Instagram at beerswithmandy. Next week on the show, we have our friends Eric Eddings and Brittany Luce from the podcast For Colored Nerds here in the studio to settle your food disputes. But before we even get to your calls, Eric and Brittany have their own dispute to hash out with my help. Dan, I, I've, I've trusted your opinions for so long and really never, ever doubted you until this exact moment because you are wrong. That's next week. In the meantime, please make sure you follow our podcast in Spotify or Stitcher or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Just connect with us in your podcasting app. Thank you. Special thanks to Shane and Steve and all the other folks at Carmine Street Beers, as well as to the Cicerone Certification Organization. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andres O'Hara. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. The show is mixed by Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Steve Darlene in Carver, Minnesota, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. <laughs>